Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Not here this morning. I don't know exactly where he's at. He's, we sent him over to the other end. Pastor's losing his voice, so I think Daniel might be covering for Pastor if he, if he, if he can't speak. That's the nice thing about speaking for a living is you can, I mean, I can, I can break both of my legs and I can still talk. Like, I can do it, I, get, I, I can do my job. But if you lose your voice, you're, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. But uh, I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to share with you guys this morning. And I think they told me I've got two and a half hours, so that's plenty of time. And we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll get started pretty slow because, again, I've got all that time. But there's a story of uh, a Sunday school teacher. And she had a bunch of six-year-olds, and she was charged with trying to teach six-year-olds what it takes to go to heaven. And she's like, oh, they're six. Anybody have any bro- younger brothers or sisters? Raise your hand. You got any younger brothers? I can put this on. She's like, six years old? Like, what am, what am I supposed to do here? She's like, well, I better ask them some questions first to kind of figure out where, where they're at. So she asks, and she says first, she says, um, if I was to... Sell everything I own, sell my house, sell my car, have a big garage sale, sell, sell everything, Craigslist, all of it, and then take that money and give it to the church, would I go to heaven? And a little six-year-old Sunday school responds, a little six-year-old voice says, no, because boys and girls sound the exact same when you're six. You're like, huh? So they get a no, and she's like, okay. And she's like, all right, well, what if I, if I volunteered at church every single day and just, I made that my life and I sang in the choir and I, I cleaned the building and, and, and went around and just did everything I possibly could at church. Would, would that get me to heaven? And again, the little kid's voice, no. And she's like, okay, well, what, what would I need to do to get to heaven? A little boy in the back stands up and goes, you gotta be dead. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. Yeah, yep, you can, gotta love six-year-olds, right? Like, yes, you're right, but, that's, uh, but you can't say that he's wrong because he's right. But that's one thing that's absolutely true, is unless Jesus comes back, we all gonna die, right? <laughs> Let's just encourage one another this morning with that right there. You're gonna die. One day, that's just what happens. And you can hate funerals. I do not like funerals at all. But they're still there, and people still die, and it, it, it is what is going, it is what is absolutely, absolutely is going to happen. Now, Hebrews, in talking about that, says this. It says, just as man is destined once to die, and after that, judgment. After that, there's, there's something coming. There is something coming. And let's, let's just go back to that whole thing, you're going to die thing. Turn to the person on your left and tell them, you're going to die. Turn to the person on your right and say, you're going to die someday. That, that, that's what's going to happen. There, there will be a someday. And I don't want that day to be today or tomorrow. I hope it's a long, 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 long time. I hope every single one of you get married, have about a half dozen, two dozen kids, run around, live life together and enjoy it. But you know you know that one day you're going to die. But the Bible talks about that. It says this in Romans 14.10. Listen to this. It says, For we will all stand before God, God's judgment seat. It is written, 
As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. See, unfortunately, many of us, we look at what's going to happen when we do die. And, and well, we're going to die at some point. It's just a matter of when. I was, oh, this, is, this was several years ago. And I, was, I was talking with a guy at the time, I think he was 20 or 19 or 20, something like that. And his, his philosophy on life was, he's like, he goes, I'm just living it right now. I'm living it. I'm like, what do you mean you're living? He's like, I'm, I'm living it. I'm like, I don't understand that. He's like, he goes, I highly doubt I will live to be 35. He really talked that way. He's like, I, I don't think I will. He goes, I don't even want to. You, there's, nothing, there's nothing left to live after that anyways. And I'm like, mm, I think you're wrong. I think there's a little bit more, a little bit more to it than that. But his mindset was this. He's like, I'm just going to live 100 years worth of life before I'm 35. And I'm like, you really, you, you can try, that's awesome, but you can't do it. Because there's only so much time and it, it ain't going to happen. You can make 100 years worth of mistakes in 35 years if you want to. That can happen. Um, but but this isn't going to end well for you. Because see, here's the thing. is many, and especially Christians, have this idea that this is what happens when you die. Either A, you go to heaven, right? Or B, you go to hell. And the hope is this. I want to know what I need to do to go to heaven. That, that's what I want. I don't think anybody's like, I want to go to hell, eternal torment, flames, torture, sweet, sign me up. No, right? I don't think any of you are like, can I, can I, can I just go early? Can I, can, I, can I please? Volunteers? No. But there's two things that change the way that we live right now. One is this, is that heaven will not be the same for everyone. It is not a utopian society of you get there and it's just all the same. There is that and there is this. See, we just read that we're all going to stand before God one day. Every, every, every single one of us. I'm going to give an account. But here's, here's the part. Is it's hard to think about that. How many of you are late studiers. When you study for tests, you wait to the last minute. You are a last minute crammer. Raise your hand up high. This guy's like, two hands right here. I got a test tomorrow. I don't even care. I don't even care. I'll wake up early. Yes. Okay. Put your hands back down. Okay. Raise your hand if you are the, it is done a week beforehand. Raise your hand. One, two, three. Okay. All of you that raised your hand the first time, just so you know, these people are going to be employing you in about 15 years, just so, you, just so you know. Watch out. Keep your eye on them. Make them your friends. No, I'm kidding. But not very much. Little, little, little kid, little kid. But here's the thing. When we look at heaven and what the Bible says about heaven, there's a disconnect. Because the Bible says we'll give an account for the way that we live. And it goes beyond just the sorting of bad, good, heaven, hell. But it changes the way that we'll spend eternity in heaven. But there's a disconnect. The same type of disconnect that I think occurs with food. 
Who here eats food? Raise your hand. Bring it. Who loves eating food? Who like takes it seriously? Oh, it's fun. It's food. Bring it. Now, here's the thing. You all know, every single one of us know, if I have a steady diet of McDonald's milkshakes, which I don't even know why they call them milkshakes, because as I understand, there's plastic in those things. I don't know if it's true, but I'm told there's plastic in that chair. But it's good tasting plastic. But anyways, if I have a steady diet of McDonald's plastic milkshakes, what's going to happen? This guy says, I'm going to die. And we know it's going to happen eventually, right? But what else is probably going to happen? I'm going to lose that six-pack. It's going to be gone. It's going to become a keg. And then after that, it just gets a little bit bigger. And then other things get bigger, and you're just kind of like, you roll around eventually. You, you know what's going to happen. But the crazy thing is this. There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect because I can do something right now and not have it affect me instantly. You can make a decision right now and not have it affect you instantly. I read a story about a guy who was, uh, he was out on vacation. And he's out, he's cruising around on his car. He's cruising around all over the place, driving around, and he gets home. And shortly after he gets home, I think it was, uh, I don't remember the exact time, a couple days later, maybe a week or two, he starts getting these letters in the mail. First one, he gets this official looking letter. He's like, what, what the junk is this? Opens it up pulls it out, and he's like, it's a speeding ticket. But it's one of those, those unmanned speeding tickets, like the radar guns, the radar cameras. And he's like, oh, that's no good. And he's like, yeah, that's, it's got a little picture of him, his license plate, and his speed. And it's got a fine, and he's like, stink. Well, that's no good. Sets it over here, he's like, I better take care of that. Looks in the mail, and there's three more official-looking Letters in there, and he's like, what? Oh, what the junk? So he opens up the next one. He's like, there's another one from a different camera. Opens up another one. He gets three speeding tickets in one day. He's like, you've got to be kidding me. He's like, well, I better, I'm going to have to try to do something to take care of this. I have to do something to take care of this. And then the next day comes. And the next day, guess what? Two more official-looking envelopes. And he's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. He ends up with six speeding tickets. They'd all gotten the exact same day. And he did this. This is the interesting part. He went and he fought it in court. But this is why he said he fought it in court. He said, if I had known about the first speeding ticket, I wouldn't have got the other five. And he pleaded this. He goes, I would plead guilty to the first, and I will pay that gladly. I will take those points. That I deserve it. He goes, but. I did not know about the others. If I'd known about the first, I would have changed my behavior. I'd have done something different so that I would not have gotten the others. His whole argument was there was a disconnect. I didn't see the result. I didn't see the price that I was going to have to pay. If I would have seen it, I would have changed the way that I was driving. See, know this. Every single one of us, we all go to heaven. If you're a Christian, you're going to go to heaven but we're all gonna spend it a little bit differently. Just because you get into heaven doesn't mean it's gonna be the exact same for you. In fact, it says this, 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. 
Now, if you're a Christian, you're forgiven. If you ask for forgiveness, the Bible says that Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. It's not like you did super sin and God's like, I can't, I did for everything except what you did. I'm so sorry. That thing, I I'd never expected someone to do that. It just, it just ain't happening. No. However, it says, you receive your reward for the good and the bad. So if you're a Christian, if, you're, if you ask for forgiveness, God's like, boom, the bad's gone. But now it's time what about the good? It also says God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. And we need, to, we need to remember that today. We need to remove that disconnect between, hey, I just live my life now. I know I'm going to get into heaven, so I'm just going to do what I'm going to do until I get there. I want to remove that as far away as we possibly, possibly can. I'm going to read a big chunk of scripture here, but, but, but hang with me. 1 Corinthians 3.11. It says, uh, we'll start with verse 12. Yeah. If any man builds a foundation using gold or silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. This is specifically talking about how you live your life today, how I live my life today. Because his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it into light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive a reward. Say reward. reward. If, he is burned, if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. Now this part's interesting. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. It talks there, what that's talking about is somebody who was a Christian, yes, but the way they lived their life produced nothing for eternity. They lived their life like heaven did not even exist. He says, they'll enter heaven by the skin of their teeth. They'll make it in, but just barely. See, there is a difference. Heaven will not be the same for everybody. Mel talks about those who lead many to righteousness, and it says that they will shine like the stars in the heavens forever. Now, it does not mean that you're going to be a star sitting up in the heaven and some reincarnation thing. No, no, no. But it has to do with the way that you are going to spend eternity in heaven. The way that we live now, the things that we do now. And we have to be careful because of that disconnect because we can do something today and not see its effect. We do something today and we're like, well, is it, is it really paying off? Is it really paying off? And we have to purposely focus in and be like, okay, yes, it's getting me where, yes, this is important. We have to keep heaven. We have to keep eternity in mind. How many of you love school? Raise your hand. You just love it. It's the same people. Did you notice that's the same people that said that they like to study like a week ahead in advance thing? Again, watch them. The rest of you, you don't, but you do it. Why? Why do you go to school? I want to go to college. Why do you want to go to college? Because that's just more school. You do realize that. To get a good job. To get a good job. Okay, job. Why do, why do you want a job, really? I mean, I mean think about it. It's work. Why, why do you want a job? Anybody? They're like, <laughs> this girl over here is like, I don't want a job. I'm going to marry somebody rich. I don't want a job. <laughs> okay, why do you want a job? Get money. Get, money. get paid. Why do you want to get paid? All right, buy food, goods and services. 
Okay, but here's what you're doing. You're connecting the dots. That's exactly what you're doing. You're saying, I'm doing the school thing because I want to go to college, uh, not because I want to pay too much stinking money for an education, but anyways. So not because I just want to pay a bunch of money to be educated, but instead because I want to prepare myself to compete in a job market so I can get money to do what I actually want to do with it, whether it's buy things, to give it away, be able to afford a girlfriend, something like that. I don't know. But you're like, I want, I want that job. You're connecting the dots, and because you connect those dots, you live a specific way now. You do something you, that 97, 98% of you do not enjoy doing, which is school. You're like, yeah, I'm going to go through it because I'm connecting the dots. And because you see that end result, you're willing to do something now. The way, heaven is the exact same. Our eternity is the same. If we live with a perspective that just says, I want to live for what I'm going to do right now because I want this pair of shoes, because I want that gadget, and I want to wear this, I want to look like that and drive that and be with somebody like that, then you're going to get to heaven. And God's going to say, okay, the talents, the giftings, the abilities, the friends that, that you had, what did you do with them to further the kingdom of God? What did you do with every gifting and ability and everything that I gave you? What did you do with it? What did you do with it? See, the Bible says that Jesus is going to come back. And it's literally like this. It's like he put, he put a servant. He put somebody in charge. And this is the illustration that Jesus used. It's like a servant that was left in charge while his master was away. And he began to act like his master was never coming back. He mistreated the other servants. He did his own things. He threw some parties. He began to drive master's car around like it was his own. It was like, sweet, this is fun. I wasn't supposed to drive this one, but I'm going to. Buddy of mine, that, that is exactly what happened. He went away on vacation, and he had somebody watching his house for him while he was gone. And uh, he had nice cars, nice cars. He had a Big old Denali Suburban, but he had souped up the engine on that thing big time. Big time. So this, this big boat of a vehicle that would just light up all four of them all the way through second gear. Just He had that sitting in there. Um, then he had in, in, in the garage, there's where the Porsche parks, but the Porsche and the Lamborghini had to share a... Uh, uh, a stall, so the Porsche would actually had a had a lift that would lift up the Porsche, so the Lamborghini could pull in underneath it. He's got all these fancy cars, and had this guy watching his house while he's gone. Well, guess what happens is he gets a call. They were in I don't remember where they were, but they're they're gone, and he gets a call. And he's like, "Hey, um, I thought you were in California," and the guy's like, "I don't remember exactly where he's." He's like, "I am." And he's like, "Who's got your car?" And he's like, "What?" He goes, yeah, somebody's driving your Denali right now, and they are lighting up the road. And he's like, what do you mean? Come to find out, the guy that was watching his house for him while he was gone decided, hey, he's gone. I don't know what I'm going to do while he's gone. I'm going to drive some of these sweet cars. What do you think happened? Nah, he didn't actually crash it. Thank goodness. He didn't crash any of them. But... Buddy calls him up and says, hey, what are you doing? The car's out on the road. I specifically told you not to do it. Get out of the house. What are you doing? 
He did what he wasn't supposed to. He acted like what wasn't his was his and that he could just do what he wanted. He's like, no, you're not staying at my really nice house anymore. And no, you're not driving the car that I told you you could drive because you're driving the car that I told you you can't drive. And you're out of here. And yeah, I'm going to be gone for months and you had a free place to stay. But no, not anymore. Jesus' story is really similar. It's really almost the same thing. The servant decides he's going to live like what isn't his is his, that it doesn't really matter anymore, and I'm going to do what I want with it. Jesus said this, he goes, but the master will return at an hour where you do not expect it. Then he's going to come back. And then what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And what do you think he's going to do when he, when he comes back and finds out that you were treating what wasn't yours as if it was? When you're mistreating your fellow, your fellow slaves, what would you think you were doing? It really talks to us about us keeping in perspective the fact that Jesus is going to come back, that we will answer to him, that he is going to say, hey, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do? If I told you that there was a test, call it a test, but there was going to be a question asked of you, sometime in the next four months, there will be a question asked of you, And depending on how you answer this one question, it will determine absolutely, with finality, the rest of your life. One question. The way you answer that will categorize how you will live your life. There'll be four options for what you're going to do and how much money you're going to make. It'll all be dependent on this one question. If it was real, you'd be like, I wonder what the question is. I want to know what I can do. I want to prepare. I want to do what I can. I'm I'm going to do this. If I told you, hey, there's just one question, but if you get it right, if you get it right, you win $16.2 million. I like the point two in there. I don't know why. You'd be like, I want to know the answer to that question. And I'm going to ask that question. I'm going to figure that out. I'm like, you have to figure out what the question is on your own. I know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to live here, and you're going to spend the next six months figuring out what the answer to that $16.2 million question is. You're like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do something for it. I know it's coming, so I'm going to live a specific way so I'm ready for it. Each one of us, every single one of us, are going to stand before God. And he's going to ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Are you living today like heaven doesn't exist? Are you living today like, hey, I get in and that's all I need? Or are you living today like, hey, it exists, it's real, and what I do now affects eternity, not just for the people around me, but for me as well. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the absolute fullest. Who wants a boring, dull Boring, dull, empty life. Raise your hand. One. All right. That's it. I've met some people that I think that's really what they want. You're like, are you kidding me? Because they are incredibly boring. Anybody know anybody that's boring? Raise your hand if you know someone that's boring. Oh, don't you wish it was legal to just reach out and slap them sometimes? You're like, wake up! There's so much more to life than that. But anyways... Jesus said, I came to give you life to the fullest. Understand this. When we do life God's way, 
It is the absolute most rewarding, most fun thing that you can possibly do. You ever did something and you were like, this isn't going to be fun? I, don't, I, I do not even want to do this. And then it turned out to just be an absolute riot. We, we, took, a, we took a group of youth out to Montana. And uh, it's a long ways, a long ways to Montana. But we're headed out there. We're on this bus with uh, 38 high school students driving out to Montana. And I'm pumped about it. I've been, I've been planning the trip for probably eight months. I'd taken a trip out to Montana and set stuff up. Uh, I'd found those spot for a zip line. Uh, zip line was probably at least as long as from this side of the ground floor to the other. And you go over this valley where you're about 85, 90 feet up in the air. Super cool. Super cool. We're going to have this sweet zip line. We're going to be running around. I found this, this lake up in these mountains with white sand beaches. You hike up to about uh, 8,000 feet. So Oh, so pretty, super, super fun. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. I'd scouted out some places where we could go rock climbing, um, actual rock climbing. So we had safety harnesses, things. I'd gone in there and bolted into a bunch of stuff and played around out there and found a bunch of really cool stuff. You could hike up this, uh, this little stream and find these waterfalls that you could run around in and play in and go underneath. And they splash, oh, it was super, it was, I don't know why I'm stuck saying super cool, but I am. It was super cool. So, we're getting excited. I'm excited. We're headed out there, and I'm sitting on the bus, and uh, I'm just getting to know all the different students that we're headed out there with, and I sit down next to this one girl. I'm like, hey, how you doing? And she's just kind of sitting there, because we've got this 30-hour bus ride to get out there. And I ask her, excuse me. I'm sitting there. I'm like, hey, so you, you excited to go and do this? And she looks at me, and she goes, no. She goes, I do not want to be here at all. Every bit of this sounds stupid. And she's got that, I'm so much cooler than you look on her face. You girls know how to do it. I, I don't know how to do it. I really don't. I've practiced this look for this story, and I cannot do it. I, I, I just can't do it and give it justice. But she's just got that, oh, I'm so much cooler than us. And I'm like, really? She's like, yes, this is stupid. I hate everything outdoors. I like to be inside. I don't like outside. And I look at her, I'm like, why are you here then? Why? I love this. This is awesome. Why are you here? And she goes, my mom made me. She thinks this is going to be good for me. It's not. And again, it's that same face that I can't do that some of you girls are really good at. And I'm like, oh. But she's got this, I'm, I'm just going to absolutely hate it. I look at her and I'm like, okay. <laughs> just get up. And I'm like, can I throw her off the bus? Can I just open that window, grab her and go, uh. She was a little girl too. And I, it wouldn't be hard. And just go, uh, and throw her off. No, probably shouldn't do that. Probably shouldn't do that. So we, we get to the camp and we start doing the stuff that we're doing. And the camp is this rustic camp. It's 10,000, almost 10,000 acre ranch that we stayed on. Um, bathroom, the really cool cabins. The bathhouse had heated floors. Well, super nice. Because you, you don't want to step out of the bath under the cement and get cold, cold little feet. That just wouldn't be good, right? So it was, it was super, super I keep saying super, super cool, but just super nice, really fun place. I'm like, hey, you're gonna absolutely love. So we begin doing some of the trips and hiking up in the mountains, and we're going back in some caves and running around. Um, and and this girl's coming along, but she's hating it. And we're having these chapels. We have chapel at night, 
really spend some time just seeking God in a different way than they have before and just kind of putting away distractions. Bring your cell phone. It doesn't matter. It doesn't get service. When we're at it, might as well be a brick. So we're just out there running around having fun. And about the second or third day, I see her, the same girl who's sitting there like, this is, I don't want to be here. I'm so much cooler than you. This is awful. This is, I hate being outside. I look, and she is running around. We'd gone to a place called Humbug Spires. And what it is, is you, there's this really cool little creek that comes up this way, and then there's these rock formations that just come out of the ground like two and three hundred feet, and you can hike around the backside of them and stand on the edge of a cliff that's 300 sheer feet straight down. Super fun, and everybody's grabbing boulders and throwing rocks off these things, and some of the ones that they're throwing down are like this big. And you see this bounce down and fly around, and they're crashing, and I'm like, Who's doing that? And I run up there, and here's this girl. And she's got this biggest smile on her face, and she's having fun, and she's throwing this stuff off the edge of this thing. And then that night in chapel, I go in there, and she's not just at chapel. She's not sitting there like she was the night before. Everybody else has got their Bibles out. They're paying attention. They're like, I'm going to get something out of this. And she's just sitting there with that whole, I'm so much cooler than this look. And I'm, but this, this night, she's not. Instead, she's having an absolute, she's got this big smile on her face, and she's, she's worshiping. And while other people are sitting up worshiping, she turns around, gets down on her knees, and is just praying and bawling over in the corner. I'm like, I don't know if she's broken or what, but she's crying. I get one of the other girls, I'm like, it's a girl, go talk to her. She's crying. I don't know. I don't want to mess with that. So I send, send somebody else over there. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with it. Her. So they go over there and start talking. And here's the crazy part. We go through this entire trip. We spend about six days out there bouncing around the woods, running around, climbing up mountains. We climb up, to, we do one hike one day where we start at 7,000 feet and we climb 3,000 vertical feet. We get above the clouds just over 10,000 feet. And we're way up on the top of this and she's up there and she's taking pictures with her friends, having all this fun. And we're on the, we're on the way back. And I sit down next to her and I'm like, hey, how was the trip? She goes, that was the most fun I've ever had. She goes, I don't want to leave. She goes, I don't want to leave. It was so much fun. She goes, I absolutely loved it. And she goes, and the chapels were amazing. She goes, my mom was right. She goes, this is exactly what I needed. She goes, I'm so glad that I came. She goes, I will not be the same. She goes, changed my life forever. She goes, not just, not just running around in the woods having fun. She goes, but I experienced God in a way that I never had before. She goes, I, I will be different. I'm going to be different from here on. I love that story because of this. Because she went into it thinking, I'm absolutely going to hate this. What you're laying out in front of me doesn't sound like fun. What's going to happen here, it doesn't sound like it's going to be something that I would absolutely enjoy. I don't even think I would enjoy this. And sometimes people have that same idea about Christianity. They look at it and they think, I don't want to do that. Live for Jesus, think about other people. Serve those that are around me. That doesn't sound like fun. Be a servant leader? I don't want that. I want people to serve me. That doesn't, that doesn't, I don't think I want to do that. But without fail, this is what happens. They begin to do it. Somebody says, I am going to live like there is a heaven. I am going to live that way. I want to begin doing that right now. I want to live for God with what I have. I'm going to use the giftings and talents and abilities that he's given me to further the kingdom of God, to speak the truth of his word into the people's lives around me. They begin to do that, and little by little, they're like, this is fun. 
not only is this fun, but this is fulfilling. This isn't a joy that just comes because people are around and then the minute that they're gone is gone. This is fulfillment. I don't need somebody telling me and building me up every two seconds and the minute that somebody says something negatively to me, I feel like my world just crashed to an end. It's completely different. They're like, this is so much better than I ever thought that it could be. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. When we do it his way, it is the adventure, it is the peace, it is the love, it is the joy, it is the fulfillment that we were looking for. And we thought we could find here, there, and over there. And God says, no, you can only find that in me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Before we leave this morning, I want to ask a question. I want to make sure that every single person that can hear my voice knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're on their way to heaven. We're talking about living the best life that you could possibly live. Talk about living, remembering that eternity is coming, that Jesus came to give us life to the absolute fullest. But if you're here, you say, I don't, I don't know that, Jesus. But I want to. God made it so easy. He says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you will be saved. That's the easy part. The hard part comes when we live it out and we, we make him the Lord of our life and we, we, we actually live it. But if you say, you say, I want to know that I'm forgiven. I want to know that I'm free. I want to know that I, when I die, I'm going to heaven. And more than that, I want to experience the peace that only comes from God. I want to find my identity in him. I, I, I want that. Or if you say, yeah, I was a Christian. I said that prayer at one time, but I'm not living it anymore. I'm so far from it. I'm so far from God. You have no idea. But if you if you want to this morning, say, I'm going to come back. I'm gonna give him all that I am. I wanna be forgiven. I wanna be free. And I want to, again, experience that freedom that comes only through relationship with Jesus. If you're either of those, then on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up high so that I can pray with you. And we wanna do exactly that. And when you leave here, you can know that you're forgiven, that you're free, that you're on your way to heaven and begin to experience that peace that only comes through a relationship with Jesus. It, you cannot find it anywhere else. You can look for it in a temporary high, but it's not there. You can look for it because, oh, this group of people thinks this about me, and now I have this here, but it, that it'll fade. There's something that comes only, it's peace that comes only through an experience, through a relationship with Jesus. If you want that, then on the count of three, shoot your hand up high. One, two, three, lift it high. Say, that's me. I want to leave you know I'm forgiven. I'm free. I want all of that. Yes, anybody else? Say, that's me. And I'm asking you to lift your hand that's absolutely right, because here, this is what I know. Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. If you'll say, yeah, yeah, I, I want this, God says, hey, if you're willing to do that, I'm willing to, I'm willing to stand for you. Is there anybody else? Just lift it up high. I want to make sure. All right. Okay, heads bowed, eyes closed. Everybody, would you just repeat after me and you that lifted your hand, just pray this from your heart. Say, Jesus, I believe you died and you rose again. Forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm going to live for you with all that I am. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody give a hand for Pastor Samuel.